Hi everyone, this is Bedros. Oh, and this is Shoot Kapow. <laughs> and uh, we have a little bit of top of the show business here that I just wanted to uh, drop on you guys. Um, first of all, I do mention it near the end of the episode, but like I mentioned on the last episode, we're going to be doing a special two-part uh, Mega Man 2 versus 3 finale for the season in August. And we really, really, really want to hear from you guys on um, what you think about the tracks and which tracks are better than which other tracks. So in the show notes, you can find links to those uh, surveys where you can go and fill Into them out. the past. <laughs> yes. And wait, what? Oh, a link to the pet. No, not yet. Come on. That's okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. So take it the surveys and take, take it, take it. That's up. Take the surveys. <clears throat> so yeah, go check those surveys out. We really appreciate your input. Um, first of all, uh, there's some sound quality issues on this episode. I tried some stuff with the mic and it wasn't super successful and I thought it was bad enough that you would notice it even if I didn't draw attention to it. So yeah, it's a little fuzzy at times and then it's a little compressed at times when I tried to fix the fuzziness, but the episode is still really, really good. We didn't want to re-record and it's really not that bad. I did just want to uh, make a disclaimer there. Also, Shukapau did all of the preliminary research for this episode. So there are a couple of things we wanted to uh, maybe correct just a little bit. <laughs> um, Sugar coating. I so I, I mentioned it a couple of times during the episode, like with Tetris ninety nine, that there were other composers involved, and said that you know you guys could look it up if you're interested. It's a it's a tough world, uh, BGM composers. There's a lot of similar names out there, a lot of hard to find information, and you've done a really good job. I actually want to give you a shout out because. You figured out oh, that on Mega Man X, Makoto Tomozawa specifically did compose the Storm Eagle stage. Um, there were five composers on the game, including also uh, Setsuo Yamamoto, Yuki Iwai, Yuko Takahara, and Toshihiko Horiyama. But um, Tomozawa was the one who composed the Storm Eagle stage, among mm. a couple of other tracks. The biggest glaring issue that I saw in, in the uh, episode that I really should have noticed because I rambled on about it myself. Donkey Kong for the Game Boy was not composed by Graham Norgate and David Weiss. I think you were probably um, thinking of Donkey Kong Land, the Donkey Kong Country like port, basically. Um, well, no, it was a different enough game, but I'm not going to go there. Everybody who's listening knows. Uh, so who was the composer for Donkey Kong on the Game Boy? Uh, the Donkey Kong 94 composer was Taisuke Araki. And what we did find out about him, he has not composed very much, but he was composer on two other notable Game Boy titles. Uh, there was a, a tennis game, I think called like High Power Tennis or something like that. More notably, though, he composed on Wave Race, the lesser-known predecessor to Wave Race 64, which is a pretty celebrated game. Um, there was something else about Taisuke Araki... Uh, yeah, there's uh, Tezuke Araki at Sinsofia that's worked on the Style Savvy series, but we're not sure if it's the same person or not. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, like I said, similar names and stuff like that. It's hard to know sometimes. The other thing was Turtles in Time. So, Kozu Nakamura was referenced on our show as the composer, and I said I thought there might have been other people involved. Um, the original music, according to Wikipedia, for the game was composed by Mutsuhiko Izumi, 
uh, a TMNT veteran who also composed the music for the previous arcade game. Um, it was arranged for the Super NES by Kazuhiko Uehara and Harumi Ueko, both of whom went on to produce several Konami games themselves, including the following TMNT game, Tournament Fighters. Um, and what did we see about Kozu, Kozo Nakamura? Uh, yeah, he's also mentioned on the Wikipedia page. We're not sure how he was involved. He does compose on other uh, TMNT games around the same time period. So it's been about five minutes. So enjoy the episode, guys and girls and everybody else. No matter how you identify, we hope you love this episode. And on the blooper reel afterward, let's get into it. Oh, hello there. You made it. Perfect. Welcome back. Greetings, gamers. I'm Ben Ross. And I'm Shoot Kapow. And you're listening to Very Good Music, a VGM podcast. Congratulations. Here is a present for you. Welcome to another episode of the show, and another episode where I kind of feel like I don't know what to do with myself, because I don't have any songs to play tonight. Fortunately, I'm playing all of them. (laughs) Fortunately, my wonderful son, with great taste in BGM, is going to bring his A-game tonight, because tonight our topic is... My favorite songs from your favorite games. Yes, coming off of last week's episode, where I played some of my favorite music from some of Shukapau's favorite games, tonight we're turning the tables a little bit. And just like last week, there are no hard and fast rules. We didn't rank the games or anything, and we didn't do some sort of like crazy gauntlet where we listened to all of the songs on the soundtrack and then pitted them against each other and, you know, like statistical rated stuff or anything like that. You know, I just sent him a list of... Well, first, like, 12 games, and then we bumped it up to 15, because we felt like that would be enough for a whole show. And honestly, I don't even remember what I picked. <laughs> I do know that I didn't include some games that are among my favorites, because they were on his list. Games like Chrono Trigger, um, Earthbound, Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, 
all four could very easily have made it onto this list tonight, but I decided to pick 15 other games that didn't come up. And Chukapow, why don't you tell us about that song that we just heard? All right. Anyone out there in VGM land who hasn't heard it before? <laughs> All right. That was Dark World from Link to the Past. Well, The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, to be precise. Released in 1991 for the SNES, one of the best systems of all time, composed by Koji Kondo, one of the best composers of all time, and published by Nintendo, one of the best video game companies of all time. I was going to say, arguably the best, but, well, yeah, there are people out there who would argue with me, so I guess it is <laughs> arguable. <laughs> but we know, everybody knows by now that in this household we are, we are Nintendo boys, so... <laughs> When Chukapau played that just now, I just got this big grin on my face, which he can attest to. <laughs> that song just takes me back so much. I spent so much time on this game back when I was in like intermediate school. I distinctly remember on my VCR recording myself playing this for like three hours, and then I actually went back and watched myself play it. This was, you know... Years and years, decades before YouTube was a thing. <laughs> um, well, not whole decades, but over a decade. And I just, I love this game so much. It's a perfect game. Like, there's nothing I would go back and fix about it. Really at all. I've, I played through it again fairly recently on the SNES Classic, and it holds up. It's just, it's amazing. And... We're going to get into why you picked this song, but I will say, I am hard-pressed to think of a better song in this game. There are definitely nostalgia pieces here. Uh, the Lost Woods theme is amazing. Of course, the little jingle that plays when Link draws the Master Sword has become iconic, so much so that we used it in our intro for the Sword Songs episode. Mm -hmm. And the Kakariko Village theme, of course, is now timeless. It has been used and used and used over and over again. Um... And I'm glad you didn't pick it, because it is going to come up on a, a special episode later on this year. So, tell us, why did you pick this, and were there any other songs that were, like, close in the running for you? Ah, oh, man, this is such a classic. I listened to some of the other, like, some of the other tracks that were considered some of the best by, like, fans and stuff. Yeah, that's something I'll do a lot. And this was number one, like throughout. <laughs> this is just such a classic theme. It's just Koji Kondo. <laughs> well, and it's got that Kondo sort of signature where it's deceptively simple. It, it's, it's not really complicated, and yet the way that he layers the different tracks, um, not just from a technical standpoint, but from a musical standpoint, the way that he layers the different, like the melody and the counter melody and the bass, the, you know, that, that rhythm that where it's... Did you notice anything about the rhythm of that? He starts on the upbeat of the first beat. That's where it ends. It's got this... It's, it's a march... But it's almost sort of an out-of-step march, which I think reflects the fact that this is, like, the Dark World. What else does this, just like the tone of this song, make you think? Why do you think it might be fitting for, for the Dark World setting? Well, it does sound sort of, like, heroic, and, like, yeah. it, it, it gives you that RPG feel, like you're going through an unfamiliar place. Mm-hmm. But it's not as bright as the regular Zelda Overworld theme. 
Um, it's the mode that it's in. I'm not sure if it's the Dorian mode, <laughs> because I'm not a Marcado bro, but it's, it's definitely more fitting of this sort of darker, twisted version of the Golden Land. But I could ramble on for a long time about this game. Instead, why don't you surprise me and our listeners with whatever is coming next? All right. Next up. I'm not sure what I have, but I have something. Let's just close your eyes and point to the screen and go with that one. This. Okay, then. Next, we're playing Butter Building from Kirby's Adventure, released in 1993 by Hal for the NES and composed by Hirokazu Ando and Jun Ishikawa. I'm like silently squeeing with glee over here. <laughs> Let's get into it. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, let's let's do it differently this time. You talk first. Why this song out of this entire soundtrack? And then I'll talk about the game. Because it's great. <laughs> it certainly is a classic, that is for sure. What are some other ones that you like? almost picked, that you listen to, that you really like? Uh, Vegetable Valley is definitely one of the classic Kirby themes. Yep. Um, it's kind of like the Emerald Hill Zone to Green Greens. Um, DDD's theme was definitely a major contender. Yep. This, this, this game is amazing. It really is. Have you ever played this game? Uh, I played it on an emulator once in like 5th or 6th grade. Oh, that's right. Have, did you play it on the 20th anniversary disc that we have? Um, not yet, I don't think. I think I mostly... I think I did once, but... I mostly just played Kirby 64. I think my favorite track from this game, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but it's like the it's like a dark forest theme. It's got that sort of pseudo like Slavic feel that a lot of uh, Kirby songs have, um, like Gourmet Race does, and it's you know that little tinge of darkness that that shows up in Kirby games, usually in the boss battles, <laughs> as we talked about last time. This game set the stage for what Kirby games would be moving forward. 
It was a fantastic progression. Like, the difference, the jump from Kirby's Dreamland to Kirby's Adventure is really similar to, like, the jump from Super Mario Bros. to Super Mario Bros. 3. It just took everything that the first game did right and built on it in so many ways. It's hard for me to talk about how great this game is. It's a contender for greatest NES game, like right up there with Super Mario 3, and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> if you look at this game, just graphically speaking, it's one of the most impressive games on the system. The It has parallax scrolling, do you know what that is? Where, like, one layer moves and another layer moves differently. Especially in this stage, the butter building stage. Like, the building actually turns as you move. Which yeah. may not sound that impressive to like a gamer of your generation, but on the NES, that was almost unheard of. There were some other games like Battletoads that did similar things, but this game is also beautiful. Battletoads, in some ways, was kind of an ugly game, <laughs> but Kirby's Adventure was a gorgeous game. I mean, you could tell the soundtrack was also amazing, and Kirby music just built from there. This also, there was a lot of depth to this game. It actually had uh, not just save files, but a percentage system where you could like see how much you had completed of the game, which is something later Kirby games did, and a lot of other games did, actually. But Kirby's Adventure was one of the first ones to do it, one of the first Nintendo games to do something like that. If not the first Nintendo published game. What else do you have to say about this? Uh, the track you were talking about earlier, that's actually the third stage, or just Vegetable Valley 3. Okay. Should I should I play it? Yeah, we can play a little bit of it. Let's let's bring it up a little bit and we can hear it. Oh man. Yeah, this game. This game is so good. You mm -hmm. should totally play it sometime soon. Yep, I should. Oh, this game also it was the first one where Kirby could actually copy abilities. I can't believe I didn't bring that up. You couldn't do that in Dreamland, but you can do yeah. it here. <laughs> uh, and the rest was history. And there's lasers. Yes, there are lasers. And there's a UFO. And yeah. the UFO has lasers. And, and oh, when I unlocked the UFO power-up, that was so... Oh. I did that in Planet Robobot. Then I ate everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a Kirby game. <laughs> Okay. And, and fire, fire and fireball are two different powers in Adventure. My favorite power in Adventure, actually, especially when the level is designed for it, which level design also off the charts in this game, but it's the wheel power-up. The wheel power-up is so much fun. So good. But throw is also great, and backdrop is fantastic. So many cool, clever things in this game that just carried on into the later games in the series. Wheel... I feel like I have really weirdly different feelings for, for Wheel than everyone else, because <laughs> everyone else loves it, but I just don't like it unless the level <laughs> is designed perfectly. It just doesn't feel right. If you learn how to use it, it can be really fun. There's one level in particular I'll have to let you watch me play sometime. It's it's really It doesn't seem like it would be great for Wheel, but it's a lot of fun. Well, speaking of these types of abilities, ironically, I really like Tornado. Tornado so much so cool. that I actually used it on the fourth boss, the heavy mole that digs through the ground. Oh, on Planet Robot? Uh, no, in Adventure. Oh, oh, when you played. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I need to play that game again. <laughs> it's so good. Well, what game do you have for us next? If these first two are any indication, I'm going to have a great time tonight. Well, um, 
Next, we have Donkey Kong Game Boy. Yes. Donkey Kong Game Boy was released in 1994 for the Nintendo Game Boy by Nintendo, and the game was composed by David Wise and Graham Norgate. Graham Norgate, yeah. He was one of the rare guys. David Wise, Evelyn Fisher, Grant Kirkhope, Graham Norgate, Robin Beanland, those are kind of like the big five. I don't think that Donkey Kong Game Boy was developed by Rare, it's interesting that David Wise composed on this. I do think it was after Donkey Kong Country came out. In fact, I'm almost positive it was. So maybe that's how they looped him in on it. Since you mentioned David Wise, I can hear a little bit of that in this. But it's a very different soundtrack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was your main challenge there, you think? Well, a lot of the themes are repetitive. And, like, with this one, I think... That repetitive melody, like the da 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 it should have dropped into the background, like, a little bit into the song, and the underlying quieter part should have been the melody. And that, and then the... Very Egyptian sound. Yeah. And then that, like, Maraca sand thing should have been a lot quieter. It's, I think it's like an ocean wave sample that... David Wise sort of co-opted for use as like a sandstorm type sound. But yeah, it maybe it should have been quieter. I think that volume control was a little bit more difficult on the Game Boy than it was on some of the other systems. I don't know exactly how that worked. Retro Game Audio is a good podcast that doesn't release very regularly anymore, but they talk about things like that. So if you're interested in those kind of things, I would go back and listen to their episode of the game on the Game Boy. But You've never played or really even seen much of this game in action, have you? Nope. So I got it for the Game Boy and really enjoyed it. Then the Super Game Boy came out. Do you know what that is? No, I've never heard of that before. Wow. Okay, the Super Game Boy was a cartridge that you plug into your Super Nintendo, and then you can plug a Game Boy cartridge into it. It was officially made by Nintendo. It was a Nintendo product, and you could play your Game Boy games on the TV. It even had this thing, it was like a palette sort of thing, where you could add four other colors to replace the like black and white of the Game Boy. Some games, like Donkey Kong 94, were made with, specifically with the Super Game Boy in mind, and actually had more colors added to them if you played them through the Super Game Boy. Wow. It, was, it was a pretty cool add-on. Donkey Kong 94 was the one that kind of it was the first one that really took advantage of that. 
But the game itself was lots of fun. I remember after playing the first four levels, I was kind of disappointed because I was like, is that really it? But no, then you go on to several more worlds full of levels, <laughs> and there's lots of really fun puzzle platforming going on. This was the first time that Mario could do something like a triple jump. It was the first time that he could do the backward somersault where you run and then run the other way and jump and do your like over-the-side somersault that's, that we all thought started in Mario 64. <laughs> no, it started here. <laughs> One really cool mechanic that I would love to see come back is that you could actually have Mario do a handstand, and with his feet, he could catch certain things, like including barrels, and then kick them back at enemies. Um, that's actually how you beat Donkey Kong in a couple of the boss fights. It was really cool. It was, it was a really, really fun game, and I, I think it, it holds up today. I downloaded it on the 3DS, so you should check it out sometime. Lots of fun. I don't remember the music being all that memorable. I do think that some of the city levels were a little bit bouncier than this. Reminded me of some of David Wise's um, NES rare titles, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, stuff like that. But, yeah, it was good. Not a whole lot to say about this particular song that we haven't already said. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else to add? Not really. Do you have anything else to play? Yes, I have the messenger. The messenger. Okay, before we get into this, okay, go ahead and talk a little about the track, about the game, all that stuff. All right, this game was released in 2018, composed by Rainbow Dragon Eyes, released for the Switch, the PS4, and the Xbox One, and it's an indie game. The track I'm playing is called Bamboo Boogaloo. Bamboo Boogaloo. Okay, we're going to do something a little bit special here. Did you pick the past... Yes. Bam okay. Bamboo so, green fast. So, by this time, almost everybody knows, in The Messenger, there are portions of the game you play in the past, or the present, and then other portions of the game you play in the future. And the sound of the music changes from a more chiptune like 8-bit style to a more FM synth SNES style. And what we're going to do is Shukapa picked the song... We're going to do something a little bit special here. We're going to start with the past theme, since that's what you picked. We're going to play a little bit of the future theme. And then we're going to play something that another great video game music podcaster, Chris Randazzo, did on his channel on YouTube, The Waveback Overplay. Not incidentally, the name of his video game music podcast is called The Waveback Podcast, and it's phenomenal. You should all check it out. On Overplay, Chris takes songs, like different versions of the same song, and plays one song in the left channel and one song in the right channel, and the effect, it's always unexpected, and it's usually really, really cool. So we're going to play the Wayback Overplay version after you hear a little bit of past and future. Once again, here is Bamboo Boogaloo.
Oh, too much adrenaline, too much excitement. I gotta get up and run around the room. <laughs> ah! <laughs> okay, I'm too old and fat for that. <sighs> Why did you pick this song? Because it's good. <laughs> but is it very good? Yes, it is. So, how much of the soundtrack do you think you listened to before you picked this one? Uh, I mean, up until this point, I guess. <laughs> uh, you're just, like, laying through it, and then when you got to one, it's like, okay, yep, I'm digging this. <laughs> I like it. What do you like about this song? Anything in particular? Ah, uh, it's so it's so groovy and... Groovy and just, great, yes. Great word for it. It's, yeah. Uh, it's so swinging. It's like... It's like techno-Asian swing, and it's so fantastic. Not swing like in the jazzy big band sense of swing, but just, uh, it, oh, it's so good. Before I forget, if you have any interest in the rest of this soundtrack, I highly recommend that you check out Ed Wilson's episode of the VG Embassy, where he not only focuses on music from The Messenger, but interviews the composer, Rainbow Dragon Eyes. Ooh. I highly, highly, highly encourage you, if you have not played this game, play it first. I fortunately had some time between when I heard that episode and when I actually played the game, so I wasn't spoiled too much because I don't have the best memory, but the game is worth experiencing as spoiler-free as you can. It is, I mean, that's why it's on this list. It's a phenomenal game. I just played it last year. And despite the fact that I've played hundreds of games in my life, this is now in my top 15. It's a great game. I'm going to go back and play it again. I still need to finish the DLC, <laughs> which is also really, really good. I can't pick a favorite track from this game. There are so many really, really great ones. Just play the game, buy the whole soundtrack, listen to all the podcast episodes you can about it. We actually have a special guest coming up, probably not this season, since we're already on episode 9 and we're going over to episode 12, but early next season... We're going to be doing an episode on ninja games, and I know for sure that we're going to be featuring the messenger. Shukapow. Yes? I have a message for you. What is it? Someone here wants to know what track you're playing next. Hmm. Well, it can't be Storm Eagle, can it? <gasps>
Yeah, if you want good acapella, go listen to Smooth McGroove. <laughs> or Demon Tomato Dave. Oh, yeah. Man, there, there are no shortage of great renditions of this song. It's, it's, it always surprises me. It's such a short loop. Like, this is not a long track at all. But it's so good. Like, yes. you, you picked my favorite track from this game. <laughs> <laughs> Mega Man X is another one that's... Well, talk a little bit about it. Alright, Mega Man X was... Mega Man X was released in 1993 by Makoto Tomozawa and released for the SNES by Capcom. Alright, well you said it was released by Makoto Tomozawa. I think you meant composed. Composed, yes. (laughs) (laughs) There were a good number of composers on this game. Um, I think it was actually Mega Man 2 that had just a whole lot of composers, actually. So I mixed up about that. Amazawa was the was I think the sole composer on this one, and man, they did a great, great job. Of course, everybody knows Sparkman Drill, Flame Mammoth, and Boomer Kawanga are pretty popular. But for my money, it just doesn't get better than Storm Eagle. I don't know if it's because I grew up in the '80s or had a dad who played guitar, or what, but something about this track just speaks to my soul. But this is another one that is, for my money, it's a perfect game. Uh, you don't know what you're missing without the dash power until you get it, which going back and replaying it is maybe my only um, like problem with it is it's really slow until you get the dash power. That's why you have to go to Chill Penguin first. <laughs> <laughs> but the level design is so fantastic. The opening stage of Mega Man X is one of the quintessential examples of good level design. There are YouTube videos about it, but just the way that it intuitively teaches the player how to play the game with the wall jumps and the X-Buster and jumping and shooting and everything is... it's just phenomenal. You're introduced to Vile and Zero and Sigma and X himself and it just... it's... it's the best. I love it. It's amazing. Why did you pick Storm Eagle out of all of the other tracks? Because it's the best. I love it. It's amazing. (laughs) What do you love about it so much? Sometimes I know that can be hard to articulate when you really, really just really love a song. But what do you think it is? This is such a Mega Man X track. This is just the classic Mega Man X track. (laughs) I don't know. Some people would say that that's Spark Mandrill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Spark Mandrill, I can't deny, is fantastic composition. The drums on Spark Mandrill are some of the best instruments on the SNES. The guitar is actually... Capcom SNES guitar is kind of a point of contention. For a while I thought it was just Utopian Emo that didn't like them, but no, apparently that's... that's you know, there are quite a few people out there that just something about this particular sound grates on them, which obviously it doesn't on us, but you know, hmm. I understand. Sometimes they're just instruments that you don't really like. So, um... Ah, man. Have you played Mega Man X? Yes, actually. Good. Storm Eagle was the first stage I went to. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that you played it. It's uh, 
it's a hard game. It's not super easy. I mean, it's Mega Man. So mm -hmm. maybe if you actually go back and finish all of the uh, Mega Man Legacy Collection games. You know what? Yeah, if you beat all of the Mega Man games, Legacy Collection 1 and 2, then we'll get the Mega Man X Legacy Collections. Then you can Ooh. play those. <laughs> right. You heard it here, folks. It's recorded for posterity, so now he has to hold me to it. Well, I mean, I'm probably never going to beat Mega Man 3, because I never want to play it again. Even with save states? No, Come it's, on. it's still just... Traumatizing. Uh, I don't know. When I played it on uh, on the Switch with you know the rewind feature, it was a lot easier. Mega Man Four though is really tough. The final boss is just kicking my butt. Dan has already flown past it. It's almost the end of April. I really need to beat it, or I'm going to be behind. But next month we're moving to um, Dan's favorite classic Mega Man game, Mega Man Five, one that I've only beat one time. So I'll be interested. Go back and listen to it. There's some really good music on that one. Uh, I can't remember who the composer is right now, but we'll come back. It's, a, it's one of those classic Capcom composers. Speaking of which, who composed the track that you're going to play for us next? Hikuko Mamori. And who published this game? Nintendo. And what system did it come out on? The Nintendo 64. And when was it released? 1999. And what game is this? Pokemon Snap. <laughs> oh, snap. Yes. Oh, this game. All right. This Here is Stone Valley. And here it is. Finger fanfare, anyone? <laughs> da 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 da. <laughs> oh man, you know, I had this game, uh, this track actually, penciled in for a couple of episodes. I thought maybe at some point we would do one about uh, tracks that have like a whistle in them. Um, you know, river tracks. I mean, this isn't the river, it's Stone Valley, but you're still <laughs> on a river. Uh, five Finger Fanfare, of course. You could even make a case it would be good for a playlist of songs about levels featuring monkeys, because one of the first Pokemon you see in this stage is a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, now you've played it, so now I can sub something else in all of those episodes. This is, this is a great track. The game is even better. They're, this game is so wonderful. I love it so much, and I'm not alone in that, and I'm also not alone in... Wondering why the heck Nintendo has not at least ported this. Well, I mean, they ported it to the Wii, but <laughs> why they have it? The, the Wii U was the 
perfect console for a Pokemon Snap follow-up. The Wii U was a perfect console to kill many, many franchises. But it didn't. What franchises did the Wii U kill? Apparently Pikmin. Oh. What other ones? Because you said many. Were you doing that teenager exaggeration thing? Probably, but I, <laughs> a lot of them I can't remember. You've, you've watched me play Pokemon Snap. <laughs> Have you ever played it yourself? I don't know. It's not the Probably. easiest game to control, especially if you're not playing it on an actual N64, because there's some pretty bad lag on Virtual Console, <laughs> if you this didn't know. If this doesn't feel right, then use the D-pad. <laughs> <clears throat> it's... There's nothing like this game. It's like a, a rail shooter, except you're not shooting, you're taking pictures. And you have like... Technically you are shooting, then. Uh, and you have like 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 little fruits and little like like pester balls, which are really just kind of like smoke bombs for Pokemon. But you can make them do all these things, and you you take their pictures, and it's so oh it's so good, it's just so good. <laughs> and there's Mew. Ah, <sighs> Mew. That stage is so cool. There's not a whole lot of really memorable. <laughs> it does look a lot like Rainbow Road. It's the sky. But it's actually called Rainbow Cloud, and the music is not nearly as good as Rainbow Road. But, um, yeah, this this game doesn't have super memorable music, but this is a really good track. Do you remember anything about this level? Um, not much, other than it's in a stone valley. <laughs> yeah, it's got all kinds of, like, rock and ground Pokemon. It's also the only stage where you can find a Gyarados. Ooh. At one point, a Magikarp will like start jumping up out of the water in the river, and if you hit it with a Pester Ball at just the right time, it flops into a waterfall, and a Gyarados comes out. <laughs> it's super cool. So, did you listen to the whole soundtrack? It's not very long. No, I did the same thing I did with the Messenger. <laughs> oh. Well, come on! How are you going to learn more great video game music? I don't know. <laughs> well... You definitely have you you've, you haven't picked a single bad song so far tonight. So, ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, shuckle. What do you have to say about this particular game, or this particular track, at least? Uh, Five Finger Fanfare. Also, the N sixty four trumpet. <laughs> you like that N sixty four trumpet? Yep. I really like that lick that it plays at the end of the loop, and I wish that it went on longer. I'd like to hear some great jazz person just totally like riff on that for a while. But yeah. Good one. Obviously, I love this game. I can't stop gushing about it. I really hope they come out with another one, or at least bring this one to modern consoles. This has been a very nostalgic night. What sort of nostalgia trip are you taking me on next? More Five Finger Fanfare. Hmm. I think we're actually going to say the name of the game in the song this time. Alright, it's Mario RPG. Oh, it's Mario RPG. So that means...
Yoko Shimomura. There's a lot of Super Nintendo on this list. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder why that is. Hmm. <laughs> well, I was born in 1982. The Super NES came out in the States, I believe, in 1991, which would make me, like, right at the perfect age for it. <laughs> Just, uh, ignore that. Yeah, closing the curtain so the bugs will stop hitting the window. Uh, it was, a. Uh, Nice day here, so we actually took advantage of our somewhat rural area and the kids went outside to play for a while. And we had the windows open, let the sunshine in, get we a little bit of snow cones earlier. Ooh, cool. How did you eat them with your masks on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, got a little vitamin D and um, then tonight it's supposed to storm and howl and everything and nice I still need board. to get out and finish weed eating. So. I played Mario Maker too. But we're talking about amazing. we're talking about Mario RPG. As you mentioned, this wonderful game was composed by a wonderful, wonderful, amazing composer Yoko Shimomura. We've already mentioned it was published on the Super NES. This one was a joint collaboration by Nintendo and Square. Square Enix, guys. Yeah. And what year did it come out? Ninety-five. Um, it was released. In where we go? Uh, 1996, you were close. Oh wow, 96. This was a late one. I think the N64 was either already out or was about to come out. Yeah, it was around the same time, because I remember playing this game with a buddy of mine. Actually, the aforementioned buddy who I stayed up late with to beat Super Mario... No, Super Smash Bros. Melee. <laughs> uh, I might as well mention him. His name is Ruben. He was a childhood friend. I don't know if he's listening to this yet. If your mom has shared these episodes on Facebook, then he might be. Ruben, if you are, hey man, how you doing? You should come on the show sometime. <laughs> we can talk about all the games we played together. I remember beating Culex for the first time at Ruben's house. You mean Sans? <laughs> yeah. First yeah. Sans? Final Fantasy Mario RPG Sans. <laughs> <laughs> and... That was around the same time that I was playing other games with him on the N64. Most memorably, I think, uh, Turok, the first Turok game, which I don't think you know anything about at all, but I'll show you some time. It was pretty cool for its time. Um, but yeah, this game, this track, it's so great. This is Gino's theme. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the worst, like troll move ever that I don't even think they meant to do. It was just Nintendo being Nintendo. When they showed off Geno's Mii costume and they played this song when they revealed that costume for Smash 4, I was like, oh, they're adding this track to the game. Well, that's at least amazing, even if they're not really adding Geno. <laughs> but they didn't. It was just in the trailer, which I will never, ever understand. But you know what I do understand? This game is great. <laughs> <laughs> I've played it on the Super NES, the Super NES Classic, the Wii, the Wii U, and Wii. it will always be one of my favorite games. It just had such charm and wit, and it really fleshed out the Mushroom Kingdom in a way that's never been explored since, probably because this is the Mushroom Kingdom as built by Square Enix. <laughs> you could have picked a lot of different tracks from this game. This is arguably the most iconic. The Culex theme is also great, but it's basically just Final Fantasy 4. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, Final great. Fantasy 6. One of those Final Fantasy battle tracks. But it... Ah, oh, man, it was just in my mind. Oh, the second half of Booster's Tower, called My Name's Booster, 
or if you're Japanese, my name is Buki, or call me Buki. <laughs> um, that is really, really great. But really, just this whole soundtrack is amazing. Shibamura knocked it out of the park. And one of the best things about the new Mario & Luigi RPG games on the um, like all the handheld stuff is that a lot of their... Well, a lot of their character is kind of reminiscent of Mario 64. Not Mario 64. Super Mario RPG. But the soundtracks were... By Yoko Shimomura, and so they sound a lot like this, and I think that's really great. Did you even have to listen to anything before you decided to pick this song from this game? No, not really. <laughs> uh, do you know any other music from this game? Like, can you call any of it to mind? Um, well, there's the QLX theme, there's the victory theme, victory over QLX. Which we've already played. <laughs> um, there's the battle theme, battle against an armed enemy. Yep. And that's pretty much it. Well, we'll have to remedy that sometime. <laughs> yeah, this game deserves a spotlight at some point. It's freaking amazing. Huh. Well, yet another uh, great track for you, bud. Have you actually played this game? Uh, no. You should play it sometime, too. It's not like you have anything else to play. <laughs> uh, Are you sure? How many tracks do you have left to play? I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, well, we're almost halfway through. It this is this evening is kind of flying by, actually. Well, what have you got for us next? All right, next up, I have game theme from Adventures of Lolo, released <laughs> for the NES by Hal. In 1989, and composed by Hideki Kanazashi. And yes, everybody, bouncing around in your chair is perfectly acceptable. Alright, shoot, Kapow. What do you picture when you hear that song? Kirkhope. <laughs> well, it predated Kirkhope by a few years. We'll get into a little bit of the history of this composer and this game, but uh, yeah, what are your thoughts about this? It's very Kirkhopian. <laughs> Awkward silence. Elaborate. It sounds like Grant Kirkhope music. Elucidate. Oh, okay. Did you just look up the definition of elucidate? Yes. <laughs> Learn something new every time you co-host a podcast. With your dad, who used to be an English teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, do you like it? Yes. Why? It sounds bouncy and kind of like Kirby. 
Interesting you should mention that. Because... Okay, uh, so, let's talk about Lolo. First of all, we're probably going to play this theme again when we eventually have your grandparents on to talk about some of their favorite games. Because, A, this was one of your granddad's favorite games, and two because that's what comes after A. Um, there's not a lot of music in this game, as you may have noticed when you listen to the soundtrack. But man, what's there is good. So this is kind of an arcade style. It's arcade style in that it's one screen at a time. It's a top-down block pusher puzzle game. Have you seen me play this at all? Or have you seen any footage of it? No. Okay, well, you should play it sometime. I think that you would have some fun with it. And you don't have to play a lot of it. It's not only do we have it on the Wii, we also have... No, the Wii U. We also have it on the Switch Online service. Hmm. Um, but it's... Yeah, it's super good. It's, uh, you know, not, not too difficult. Although your granddad did have to call the Nintendo hotline a few times back before the internet existed. Um, but, you know, he doesn't listen to podcasts, so he'll never hear me out him on that. <laughs> but... It, it's, it's a lot of fun. The composer, Hideki Kanazashi, also composed another kind of obscure game uh, that was developed by the same developer. And is it, it has some great music, especially the intro track of Air Fortress is just phenomenal. We will play it at some point. But for some reason, when he composed that game, he used a pen name or a pseudonym and it's different depending on, like, where the game was released. There's, like, Rodeo Kanaguchi, um, Escaper Kanaguchi. There's different stuff that he, he did for that one for some reason. But check out the Air Fortress soundtrack if you haven't heard it before. But Air Fortress and Lolo were both developed by HAL, uh, which, of course, later had a hand in the Kirby games. <laughs> <laughs> and Lolo and his girlfriend, Princess Lala also kind of went to live on as bad guys in the Kirby series, Lolo and La La La. And really, in my head canon, they're just there kind of at Princess Lala's castle, and Kirby happens to bust through because I guess they happen to live in or near Dreamland, and he's on his way to DDD, and he just kind of bursts through there like the force of freaking nature that he is. Pile. And they're just, like, defending their castle from him. So they're not, like, evil. It's just kind of a misunderstanding. And then he eats everyone. Because Kirby is a Cthulhu toddler from beyond the realms of nightmarish imagination. <laughs> Watch Terminal Montage. Speaking of... No, there's no segue. <laughs> uh, yeah. Where are we going next? I wish I knew so that I could come up with, like, clever lines to lead in. Maybe you should try one. Uh, we're going to SteamWorld Dig 2. <laughs> Alright, I can dig it.
And that was Yarrow from SteamWorld Dig 2. What do you remember about these games? Uh, not much. <laughs> you just kind of dig. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Uh, the SteamWorld Dig games are a lot of fun. They control very well. Uh, they're very well-made games. Uh, the first one is really it's pretty short. It's a little bit longer than I expected, but it's still no more than maybe five or six hours tops. It's a pretty short game. But the second one really takes everything and fleshes it out, and you can sink quite a bit of time into this game. I, I still think it's easily a sub-20-hour experience, but it's considerably longer than the first one. And one of the things about these games is the games just ooze charm. They're really, really pretty, well-designed, and the music accompanies them very well. What did this song make you picture? Or what did it maybe remind you of from other games? Hmm. I don't know. I guess sort of like a calming area. Sort of Hollow Knight, I guess. If you were going to put this in, like, a biome, what kind of biome do you think it would fit in? Hmm. Or like a traditional video game area? Maybe I guess a place like the City of Tears. Okay. So the Yarrow, or the Yarrow, is a... It's an area um, underground. I don't remember exactly which area of the game it's in, but I don't really want to spoil it for anybody because the story in these games is also pretty cool. But... So you play as these robots. Um, I believe the robot in the first names game is Rusty, but it's been a while since I played. The second one, you play as Dorothy, who is an NPC in the first game, but she is just, she's really awesome. And at some point in this game, something that you don't really ever get in the first game, you get a jetpack. And of course, any game with a jetpack is better. <laughs> Cave story. And... The premise of the game is basically as yes, you dig, and you're digging for artifacts and treasure so that you can go back up to the surface and buy things to enhance yourself. And you look for these places in the game that are almost like upgrade ports. Uh, so it's very much a Metroidvania in that you're exploring, you're backtracking, you're going to new areas that you couldn't maybe get to before, and uh, you're constantly upgrading yourself so that you can find new things. This area is a really ethereal, sort of, like, overgrown with moss and and stuff. It's like a mossy cave area with lots of bioluminescence and things like that. Sort of like a combination of green path and a cave, I guess. With, like, some luminous crystals and things like that. Well, green path um, kind of is a cave. So, yeah, but it's it's really cool. There's no part of this game that's really calming. Uh, you're kind of in constant danger all the time. But this is a really sort of... The, the light is dimmer. Uh, it's, it's, more, it's a more relaxing like color of light in this area. Kind of different from all the reds and browns and yellows and stuff that you've been used to. And, I don't know. It's a really cool part of the game. I need to go back and play these games again. Obviously, if I put this on my list, then it meant a lot to me. Uh, I, it was probably my favorite game of 2018, I think, is when I played this. Might have been early 2019, in which case it would have been knocked down a little bit by the messenger. But it's really good. Really, really good. I mean, I 100%ed it, so obviously I liked it quite a bit. 
And you should play it sometime. It's lots of fun. Alright. It's kind of like 2D Minecraft, but you play a robot, and it's like post-apocalypse stuff. Which, according to Matt Pat, Minecraft's kind of a post-apocalyptic area, too. But, anywho. Yeah, that was cool. That was some relaxing, chill music. Do we have some more of that coming up next? No. Next, we have Doom. <laughs> oh, yes! Oh, I can't wait to talk about this again. When did we play Doom? Uh, Victory Themes. Episode 4. Yeah, Victory Themes. Intermission from Doom. I think I have whiplash from going from that last song to this song. <laughs> All right. So, how did you uh, go about choosing this one? Well, the same way I went about choosing all the other ones. <laughs> I'm surprised you made it past At Doom's Gate. <laughs> <laughs> so what is this one called? Um, this one was called Hiding the Secrets. Hiding the Secrets. So, this music plays in a couple of different places in Doom. Uh, we've talked a little about the game before, um, but it is... It, it's really like two first-person shooters what Mario is to platformers. <laughs> it wasn't the first one, but it was the first really great one. It ages about as well as the original Mario does. It's still lots of fun to play, and it's really, really... It's a well-designed game. What's that game for RPGs? But you can't... You can't jump in this game, <laughs> and there are some other quality of life improvements that, you know, but obviously it had a huge impact 
on the culture because they just remade it and even the remake just went off the charts. For RPGs, probably Dragon Quest, called Dragon Warrior in the States, would have been would have been that. Um, good question. So in this game, you play a marine who is stranded on one of the moons of Mars. I believe you start on Phobos, and you are the only survivor of this Earth military unit, and you're set upon by these alien creatures who I don't really know, even to this day, if they're aliens who took on the guise of, like, demons so that we would be afraid of them, or if they are actual literal demons from hell. But either way, they're trying to kill you. And <laughs> the first episode, Doom is divided into episodes, the first one is Knee Deep in the Dead, the second one is The Shores of Hell, and the last one is Inferno, which supposedly actually takes place in hell, um, which is about as bad as it can get. Then they added on another episode, uh, which is, I guess, an early form of DLC, called Thy Flesh Consumed. This was back when you actually had to go to the store and buy a box with a CD in it and install it with your currently installed game so that you could have new levels. And this song played in a couple of different areas, but it first plays in the military base, which is a secret area in the first episode, Knee Deep in the Dead. I think... In the refinery, which is a level that I played the music from on, uh, or I requested the music from on a recent uh, Rhythm and Pixels podcast, actually. <laughs> that one, I think the name of the song is The Demons from Adrian's Pen. <laughs> and I don't know who Adrian is, but it doesn't really matter. So, what do you think of the music in this game? You've heard a couple of different examples now. Well, it's very metal. <laughs> it is very metal. How do you feel about that? Mm. Mm. You feel like you would sit and listen to a whole soundtrack worth of this, if given the choice? Mm, probably not. <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, you can't say it's not melodic. It definitely has a strong melody to it, but it's, it's more about the rhythm and just kind of the feel of the game. Like, ambience, but ambience when you want to kill something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go into the whole spiel of like how you find this secret exit, but one of the cool things about Doom is that you could go back and play the levels over and over and over again. I already talked about the percent completion uh, thing last time, and in this stage, I do remember that I was playing it for probably the dozenth time, and I stumbled across this switch, and it didn't seem to do anything. So I would flip it, and then suddenly I noticed far off in the distance I heard what sounded like this door opening. And so I just went back and combed through the entire level for any door I had never noticed before. And when I found it, I fought through a whole bunch of enemies and made it to the secret exit. So, <laughs> it, it was cool. <laughs> it was the first secret exit I'd found in Doom, and it really just gave me... It, it re-energized me when it came to exploring the whole game. So the music in Doom is kind of famously based on lots of different popular like rock and metal at the time. And this song is based on a song by Alice in Chains... I don't remember exactly what it's called, We Die Young or something like that, but Alice in Chains is a pretty famous metal band from the time, along the lines of like Metallica, 
Megadeth, etc. So you probably wouldn't like them all that much. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's Doom. Speaking of the music, we never really talked about like who composed it and all that. Who was the composer of Doom? Uh, Robert Prince. Yep. Another Western composer. You know, we should do a whole like Western showcase sometime. There's a lot of really good Western composers out there. Do we have any more Western composers on the playlist tonight? Actually, I think we do. Oh! Tell me more. All right, this is Jake Kaufman. <laughs> oh, yes! That must mean this game is... The Adventures of Pip? No, it's Shovel uh, Knight. Boot Hill Heroes? I said Shovel Knight. Undertale? Shovel <laughs> Don't tell Dusklet I said that. Yes, of course. It is the amazing, the wonderful, the wealth of Patreon, not Patreon, Kickstarter riches, Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight. Let's go. I should have known you would pick this one. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? All right. Shovel Knight was released in 2014 by... Yacht Club? Yes, by Yacht Club. And composed by, I meant to say, Jake Kaufman. And released for many systems. Many systems. And what was the name of this little piece? This was in the Halls of the Usurper, which plays in Pridemore Keep. Which is the realm of... King Knight. Yes. There is not a single piece of music in this game that I don't like. You really could have just, like, put every song in the soundtrack on a wheel and turned the wheel and then stopped it and pointed somewhere and then <laughs> picked the song opposite of where you pointed, and I still would have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> For my money, it's really hard to beat Flowers of Antimony, which is from the Explodatorium, where Plague Knight lives, and High Above the Land from The Flying Machine, oh, where yeah, you find Propeller Knight. That one is probably my favorite. Um, Helicopter Rats. I actually, I think that those were both, no, Flowers of Antimony and A Thousand Leagues Below were composed by Manami Matsumai from Mega Man. I, for a long time, I thought that High Above the Land was also composed by her, but it wasn't. It's a really cool story that I don't know all the details of, so I won't rehash it here, but about how she came to be part of the Shovel Knight composition. 
So I'm actually really glad we're playing this and The Messenger on the same show. I'm also kind of surprised that it's been five episodes since we had another Shovel Knight track, because I love this soundtrack so much. But if you had to compare the sound of The Messenger with the sound of Shovel Knight, what are your thoughts? Well, Shovel Knight sounds more like, you know, old, like older NES era music. Then there's just the messenger over here with just there's a lot of instruments. That's actually that's really well put because Jay Coppin, when he composed this soundtrack, he actually adhered pretty much to the limits of the Famicom with the the channels that that system had. I do think that he utilized them to a greater degree than they were able to be utilized back in the day but he only used that many channels. And what he did with those channels is nothing short of phenomenal. I mean, if you listen to this, and especially if you listen to some of the other ones like Spectre of Torment and King of Cards, his musical chops, this is not some guy who just, no offense to anybody who did learn this way, but who just like taught himself to play guitar and has an innate sense of melody and got on to composition software and just kind of vomited out a bunch of stuff and picked the best stuff and built on it. This guy knows music on almost a scientific and mathematical level. The way that he constructs things is like an architect designing a building. It's... It, just listen to the Marcado brothers talk about him and you'll get what I'm saying because they can articulate it a lot better than I can. But The Messenger, Rainbow Dragon Eyes, wrote really great music that was reminiscent of old chiptune, but it does use a lot more channels at one time, and it's composed sort of in that style and with that feel, but it's not based, it's not really based in that kind of software. And this was. Another thing that I really like about it is the Messenger has this to a degree, but when you played Mega Man games and Mario games and Kirby games, you could almost just listen to the song and picture what kind of level you were in. I mean, like, the underwater music sounds like underwater music. A lot of that's because what Koji Kondo wrote for Underwater in Mario became sort of the staple. But, like, when you think about cold-sounding music or fiery-sounding music, there are whole episodes about just these topics on podcasts because there is a sound that goes along with them. And Kaufman and Matsumai did, I think, a fantastic job in the soundtrack of doing that. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, thinking earlier back to uh, Bamboo Boogaloo from The Messenger, that had kind of an oriental flair. When you think of Bamboo, you think about that. Um, the My favorite song, possibly, from that soundtrack, even though just a little while ago I said I didn't really have a favorite because it's all great, it might be The Frozen Peak. Um, and... It sounds like a cold track, but I don't know. There's just something about like the flying machine. It sounds like you're flying. That song sounds like flying. A Thousand Leagues Below. Maybe it's because Manami Matsumai wrote it, but it's really reminiscent of, I think of like Bubble Man. It sounds like a water level. So. Bubbles, bubbles. Is there something musically about Pride More Keep that you think makes it your favorite? Well, it feels it feels heroic like you know a castle should and for me this just embodies 
the whole game of Shovel Knight. It just feels... Like, this is one of the first levels you're gonna go to, because right after the first level, um, like, right after Strike you fight Black Knight... Which may be the greatest single piece of video game music written in the last ten years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but, yes. Yeah, right. after you fight Black Knight, you just go over there and just barge into the castle and kill everything. <laughs> uh, including those poor pet griffins. And then you go back to the tavern and the king asks how the griffins are doing. <laughs> oh, this game is so wonderful. Uh, everything about it, not just the music, but the music is just its right up there with everything else. You haven't played much of Shovel Knight, have you? No, not really. It's so good. Why haven't you played more of it? I don't know. It's so good. Uh, all right. Well, it's your favorite songs from my favorite games. But seriously, you should play them and then they'll be your favorite games too. Because I have the best <laughs> taste. Now, your taste is fine too. It's good. It's alright. It's all good. You'll get around to it. You have a lot more time. <sighs> right now, I'm thinking of starting a new Hollow Knight playthrough and you haven't even finished yours. I really think you need to finish your catalog before you go back and play something else. Yeah, I know, but it, it's just so good. Nah, man. You do you. Play what you like and enjoy gaming. That's what it's all about. Uh... You know, we've already rambled a little bit. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the game I've been playing most recently. So, Lemon Boy was going through the eShop with me the other day, and we noticed that this game was on a really steep sale, which the eShop has been having a lot of lately. And it was kind of similar to a game that you and Dusklight have played on your Chromebooks from school called Little Alchemy, where you basically just like drag and drop different elements together to make new stuff. Well, this game is on the Switch, and it's actually a two-pack of games. It's called Doodle God, and there's Doodle God and Doodle Farm. And that's really all you do. You take different elements and put them together, like fire and water make steam, and fire and stone make metal, and tools and metal make other stuff. Anyway, you can put stuff together, and it's just a cool, little, relaxing game. And actually, Lemon Boy has learned some stuff from it. Like, he's using problem-solving skills and logic and thinking about how certain elements might make other elements. And it's been pretty cool. Music's nothing to write home about. It's just sort of your normal, modern, ambient noise. But it's a cool little game. I would recommend it for anybody who either has young kids, uh, Lemon Boy is nine, or just somebody who likes to sit back and just sort of relax with a mind-numbing game that you can play while you watch, uh, I don't know, Downton Abbey, like I'm watching with your mom right now. Naruto! Or Naruto, you know, whatever floats your boat. Uh, Naruto Abbey. <laughs> wow, now I have that in my head. Okay, I gotta get that out of my head. Uh, what's next? <laughs> um. Hmm. Huh. 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 I will give you this emerald if you give me another song. Alright, then, next up is Tetris. <gasps> Wait, just Tetris? No, this is Tetris 99. Oh! And which one is it? Which song is it? This is the galaxy theme when there's 99 players. Oh, yes! To infinity and beyond!
Tetris 99 was released in 2019 by Nintendo for the Nintendo Switch and composed by Teruo Taniguchi. Is that the only composer? Um, well, it's the only composer I have written down. <laughs> so, you can't just Google game composer and then look at the name that pops up at the top of Google. <laughs> you have to, like, dig a little bit. I'm pretty sure Tetris 99 has at least three composers. But, you picked the music for this episode, and our intrepid listeners, I'm sure, are more than capable of investigating and finding out more if they want to learn more about the soundtrack. Which they totally should, because it's amazing. <laughs> You know, this song wouldn't really be out of place in... I, I kept coming back to Crypt of the Necrodancer while this was playing. It's got that, like, synthy, stompy, electronic-y beat. So, Volts, I guess this one goes out to you <laughs> for your, uh, your all of your synth VGM stream dreams. <laughs> um, everybody check out Volt Supreme's VGM Dream Stream Machine podcast. It's a really great show, and you would all like it a lot, especially if you liked this song. What did you think about this song? Any any words? It was very galaxy. Very galaxy music. Do you think it would have fit in Mario Galaxy? Um, Ooh, maybe at that level where the blocks like change on the beat. Yeah. Yeah. Beat that, block galaxy. Beat block that that makes sense. Beat and block galaxy. Yeah, oh, that galaxy too. Okay, cool, 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 cool. This theme is really it's pretty cool. I've unlocked all of the themes at this point because I love this game. It's amazing. I'm still only on like level 70, and I kind of said that I would get past level 99 this year. I don't know if that's going to happen. I also said I was going to beat Tetris Invictus at least once, which, if you have not played Tetris 99, first of all, it's free. If you have a Switch, you should play it. It's really good. Um, I do think you have to have Switch Online to play it, so yeah, there is that. So but it's technically not free. <laughs> Uh, no, but it's really good. Um, yeah, it's really super good. I love it a lot. If you have Tetris 99, if you have Nintendo Switch Online and you want to take advantage of all of the other free stuff you get on it, then this is one of those free things. It's really cool. You play with 99 other people, randomly chosen from around the world. Whenever you get lines, you send some other person garbage. You can target a specific person or you can choose to target people who are attacking you, uh, people who are close to dying, people who have killed a lot of people, or just random people. And the more that you beat, the more intense the music gets. So this game actually has a, an ever-expanding and really pretty extensive soundtrack. I don't play this theme a lot because my favorite theme is the Game Boy theme. <laughs> because it is, because it's amazing. Um, but it is a really cool theme. It looks really nice. The blocks are uh, really easy to look at, which is not the same for all the themes. But the music I hadn't really listened to a lot. This was pretty cool. Definitely different than pretty much anything else we've played tonight. So, nice choice. Segway. Something. What do you think about this music? Oh, I already asked you that. You said it's very <laughs> galaxy. <laughs> Alright, let's let's just go to the next track. This is Boss Battle from Turtles in Time. Turtles in Time. You know what? We're gonna get this game somehow. And you're gonna play it with me. <laughs> and maybe 
The Lemon Boy will play it with us. About to try to find someone else, a fourth player. This, for my money, is the best beat em up ever made. Beat em ups are, are actually coming back, but they were kind of out of style for a long time. Um, you really you just go from left to right and wail on people. But we'll get into why. This is my favorite beat em up and one of my favorite games of all time here in just a little bit. But for now, it's boss time. in Time was released in 1991 by Ubisoft? Konami. Okay. Um, it was on the SNES and Arcade and was composed by Kozu Nakamura. This is another one that I think had multiple composers, but Nakamura definitely was the main one from everything that I have heard. This soundtrack... So good. The soundtrack is one of the reasons that this game is so nostalgic for me. Have you seen much of the old Ninja Turtles cartoon from the 80s and 90s? Um, not that much. But you, you remember what you have seen. Yeah. Yeah, it, it makes an impression. It, it doesn't hold up super well. It's cheesy fun, and it's fun to watch with little kids like you and Duskelight were when I watched it with you. I don't think it is objectively as good as the 20-teens TMNT show. The show is just it's amazing. It's, it's wonderful from top to bottom. But these games from the 90s that were based on that 80s and 90s Ninja Turtles cartoon were just so much fun. And the music was so fantastic. Uh, I even loved the first one on the NES, which is notoriously hard and not a super great game, but the music still is phenomenal, and it's really cool to me. The music all kind of riffs on the theme song, which is one of the great pop culture pieces ever written. <laughs> I keep feel like, feeling like I'm saying that tonight, which means you're doing a good job, because you're reminding me of all this good music. <laughs> but Very good music. Yep. It, it riffs on that theme song, and I think maybe that's why all of the Turtles games, the music sounds like Ninja Turtles music, and this is no exception. What do you think of this track? Well, this does feel like a boss fight. <laughs> it does feel like that. Why, why do you think that is? Hmm, well, probably because of the, uh, the guitar. The guitar, Yeah. It's got some of those orc hits in there as well, mm -hmm. the, you know, the, where the whole orchestra kind of goes <laughs> at one time. 
I think the tempo probably has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is really good boss music. How much of this soundtrack did you get through before you landed on this? Do you remember any of the other songs you've heard? I just searched the boss theme. Oh, okay. Why did you decide on the boss theme? I don't know, I just like boss themes. Okay, well, this is one of the games that uh, from tonight that has really great boss music. Some of the games, like Doom, don't even have boss music, per se. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, this is good. My favorite song on this soundtrack is one that we will probably play fairly soon on an episode idea that I had about trains. So anybody who's played this game knows which level I'm talking about, and I can't wait to get to it because that song is fantastic. Uh, yeah, this game, I mean, it looks like the cartoon. It, it really you could be playing an episode of the cartoon or several episodes because <laughs> every level is kind of loosely based on something from Turtles lore. It packed a whole lot of enemies into it, and the character and sprite design is just, it's wonderful. This game is so great. Your mom, actually, for my birthday last year, took me to a local barcade, and we went there with uh, Neverender, who's actually recommended a song for the podcast, and his wife, your auntie, and we uh, they had this machine there, and we all played through it and beat the game, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and my hands hurt the next day, because beat-em-ups are hard on an arcade <laughs> when you have old man hands. <laughs> but... Yeah, lots of fun. Lots of fun. And again, lots of SNES on this list tonight. <laughs> Is there any more Super Nintendo stuff coming? Um, no, but we do have some Sega Genesis. Sega Genesis. I think I know what's coming next. As far as the game goes, would this happen to be Sonic and Knuckles? Yes. All right. Well, you don't have to read off all of the composers on this game. There were a whole bunch. I think for history's sake, of course, Michael Jackson is, at this point, pretty much confirmed to have been involved, but this was also June Sinaway's first Sonic game, and he was the one who sort of carried Sonic into the future of Sonic music, for better or worse. And, yeah, they they did some, some pretty rad work on this title. Uh, what year was it released? Uh, 1994. 94? Well, let's find out what track you picked. Alright, this is Angel Island Zone, Act 2.
So I may have misspoken. I actually told you, Kapow, that Sonic 3 and Knuckles was one of my top 15 games. Uh, I sort of combined them together. They were originally supposed to be the same game, but then they had to get split because of like timing and release issues and stuff. But I'm glad you picked this track, because I feel like it gets lost in the shuffle a little bit from some of the more well-known tracks on this list, and it also gives me something I'd like to talk about. But, you go first. Why did this song stand out to you? Well... I don't know, I guess I just liked it. Awkward silence. This episode is your fault. Why? Because you're not talking. Well, I feel like I've been talking a lot, and I don't want to, you know, I want to give you a chance to talk some. I know that these are my games, but you picked the music, and I like to know why you like things. Well, I looked up a top ten, and the first song I settled on was the Sand Zone. Sandopolis? Yeah, Sandopolis. Because you like desert themes so much. But then both (laughs) of the Angel Island ones were on here, and I'm like, just Act 2 is better, I guess. I mean, they're both really great songs. Uh, It's hard for me to say whether Act 1 or Act 2 is better, but one of the really cool things about Angel Island is that Act 1 and Act 2 are different, that they're actually kind of riffs on each other. And that continues in the second zone, Hydro City. Then it stops, and they don't do it anymore. And I don't know why, because it's really, really cool. None of the other Sonic games did that, and I wish that they had, because it's, you know, it's neat. I wish that they'd done this on all of them. Um... I would love to hear what Ice Cap Zone Act 2 was supposed to sound like. <laughs> but So my favorite tracks from this game are Ice Cap Zone, Flying Battery Zone, and Sky Sanctuary Zone. But there are lots of great tunes on this soundtrack. More than that, though, this was one of my favorite games. One of the things that I really thought of when I was putting together this list is I thought about the games that I have put the most hours into. Again, other than the ones that you played last time, because Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild would both have been on the list. But (laughs) I've put so many hours into all of these games. Sonic and Knuckles is way up there for me. Uh, I mean, it's two games, really, but the level design is so great. You got to play as a brand new character, Knuckles, who had totally different, like mechanics than Sonic and Tails did. And the title has and Knuckles in it, so you can play as Knuckles. (laughs) It's just... It was a great platforming game. Um, Maybe the best one that Sega ever made. I mean, for, for my money, at least. And it's definitely my favorite Sega Genesis game. I didn't have as many Sega Genesis games as I had Super Nintendo or NES, but uh, I had some really good ones. Um, Earthworm Jim. I had the Aladdin from Sega Genesis, which is superior to the SNES version in pretty much every way. I had the, uh, the X-Men game on Genesis, which we probably won't play any music from because it's kind of a farty disaster. <laughs> but the game itself was really a lot of fun. And, I don't know, there were some really great games on Genesis, but this one, for me, is my favorite. And I love Sonic Mania a lot, because it's so reminiscent of Sonic & Knuckles. But, if my count is not off, I think that that brings us to the end of the episode. Yep. Alright. Well, 
this was a fun trip for me down memory lane. I hope that uh, our listeners don't mind all of the Bedroth chatter. I guess they probably <laughs> wouldn't have made it through nine episodes if they had. But this one had a lot of it in there. And I appreciate you indulging me, son. Hopefully this was, last week was as fun for you as this week was for me. And, uh, yeah, next week we have a little bit of a surprise in store that I'm not going to spoil yet. But we have a pretty special guest coming on the show with us that I cannot wait for y'all to hear from. You can also uh, check out Chukapow's music. Where can we find that? On flat.io as Lloyd Irving for Smash. And Still mentioning Tales, even on your episode. <laughs> Do you want to talk about... Oh, wait, yeah, because Tales is in Sonic 3 and Knuckles. <laughs> no. Oh, wait, wait, uh, never mind. You mean Symphonia Tales. Yes. <laughs> Symphonia Tales. Uh, Definitely the title of the game. <laughs> Symphonia Undertales. Oh, no. The Fox. Yep, sorry, Hoff, if you're listening to this. He is a fox. He is not a mutant squirrel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so what about uh, anything else you want to plug? about your sprites? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I make sprites. And that's on, what is the app called? Uh, Piscal. Piscal. Piscalapp.com? Yes. Okay, yeah, cool. I um, also have a Twitter account now. Oh, yeah, and uh, what, what, where, can, uh, where can our listeners at you? Uh, shoot Kapow. At Shoot Kapow. You can recognize me by my Gobblegut profile picture. Because <laughs> Gobblegut is yes. All right. All right. And, all right, well, you've spoiled it. Next week, our uh, our guest is Gobblegut, and we're going to be doing the Mario <laughs> Galaxy Showcase. We're going to be playing all of the songs from both games. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh, and we're going to be releasing it every day in July, because... Yeah, we're going to have to have every day to play all those songs. <laughs> no, all right. And uh, as usual, you can find the show on YouTube. Just search Very Good Music Podcast, and you'll find us there. While you're there, check out the About page, and you can see all the fancy podcatchers where you can find us. We're on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and of course, we are at our home on Anchor, where you can go to leave us a voicemail if you would like to uh, give us an audio testimonial about any, any games that you like. You can request music on YouTube or on Chukapow's Twitter or at our email, verygoodmusicvgm at gmail.com. And yeah, we're slowly wrapping up this season. Uh, episode 10, we have our special mystery guest. In episode 11, one of my best friends, Prof Jeff, comes on to uh, talk to us about a topic that he is something of an expert in. And then we have our big two-part season finale. Mega Man 2 versus Mega Man 3, which we're working on a lot of special things for. And yeah, if, um, if you haven't had a chance, go check out that poll that I mentioned at the end of the last episode, where you can vote for the songs that you think are the best from either game. I'll have links to those polls in the show notes. And I think that's everything. Shukapau, anything that uh, you've got? Not really. Well, you do have one more thing for us, right? Alright, yeah, I have the play out. Alright, well, what are we playing out with tonight? This is, appropriately, the Super Mario 64 staff roll. Oh, yes. Mario 64. I actually just started playing this again on the uh, Wii Virtual Console last week. This game... So, I stayed up all night 
on my birthday this year, which I guess I was 14, because I think this game came out in 1996, right? Uh, yes. And, yep, yeah, I turned 14 that year, and my friends and I stayed up all night playing past the controller, and we got up to, I think, the haunted house area of this game. Demon Vienna of Death. Yes, which we were playing in the middle of the night. And I think it was at that point that we were like, yeah, I think it's time to go to bed. <laughs> and it really was in the middle of the night. It was almost morning by then. But it was a great birthday. This was a great birthday present. And I will always have fond memories of this game, even with its janky camera. But yeah, this is a, an appropriately fitting ending theme. Hope you all enjoy it. Shukapow, tell us a little bit about the song, and then let's play out. All right, Super Mario 64 was composed by Koji Kondo, and the game was released for the Nintendo 64. All right. Well, everybody, until next time, play very good games, be very good people, and keep listening to Very Good Music.
Hello there! Welcome back! Ugh, man, when Chukapau played that just now, I just got this big grin on my face. He can he can attest to that. That was um interesting <laughs> computer logic. Well, there's our first blooper reel clip of the night. <laughs> Enjoy the blooper reel, everyone. Here is a present for you. Stop being weird, Chromebook. Hmm. I have something. Wow. Um. <laughs> uh, uh. You were close. In fact, what I'll do is I'll just kind of layer that one in underneath us talking, and then I'll bring it up at that point, and that'll sound all cool and technical. <laughs> Congratulations! That's that's that that did this. Is that how you said it? Um. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, yeah. Had it. Hideki Kanazashi. Well done. The game. No, don't do that. Perfect. How much of the soundtrack did you listen to before you stumbled across this one and then stopped listening? I don't know. Hmm. Do you remember any other songs that you heard? Hmm? Or any other themes that you thought had pretty cool music? Uh, not really. Wait. You started with this one, didn't you? Probably. <laughs> Wonderful. Because it and don't sounds... mention Kirk Hope. Kirk 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 Hope. Who's <laughs> Kirk Hope? Kirk Kirk Grant Hope. <laughs> Kirk Hope Grants. Oh, wow. Along the lines of like... Wait. Gosh. Oh. Not sure what happened there. Wow. Table. Yeah, you're weird. Hmm. <laughs> I'm glad you're okay. Glad your computer's okay. Congratulations. We shall continue. Uh, I mean, you know... I don't know. Kind of lost my train of thought. No, we're not going to do that again. <laughs> you made it. Congratulations! See you!